0: Welcome to the Codkey Ride Home for Friday, January 7th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, how Bodie McBoatface is helping diagnose the severity of the situation at the Doomsday Glacier in Antarctica. Plus, it looks like solar shingles are finally actually a thing. And something to try out this weekend, the Dutch practice of outweien. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Bodie McBoatface is currently on its way to the Doomsday Glacier in Antarctica to find out just how doomed we really are. You may remember Bodie McBoatface from the 2016 public vote run by the UK's Natural Environment Research Council to name their upcoming world-class polar research ship. And Despite Bodie McBoatface being the clear winner of the public vote, the council ended up giving the ship the punitively more respectable name, the RRS Sir David Attenborough. There was justice for Bodie McBoatface yet, however, as the name went to one of the National Oceanography Center's Auto-Sub Long-Range Autonomous Vehicles, and since then, Bodie McBoatface has been hard at work helping scientists explore Antarctic ice shelves on multiple missions over the years. Bodhi, which is able to autonomously travel beneath ice to depths of 6,000 meters, is about to embark on its most ambitious mission yet, helping map the underside of the Thwaites Glacier in Antarctica, aka the Doomsday Glacier. Quoting Wired, Thwaites is deteriorating fast, losing 50 billion tons of ice to the sea each year. Stretching 75 miles across the coast of Antarctica, encompassing an area about the size of Florida, it's currently responsible for 4% of global sea level rise. It straddles land and sea. The bit on land is known as an ice sheet, but where it floats, it's an ice shelf. If melted completely, the glacier would not only contribute over two feet of sea level rise, but as it slid into the ocean, it would also tug on the glaciers surrounding it, further destabilizing them. That would add another eight feet of sea level rise, end quote. And as Jeff Goodell, a contributing editor to Rolling Stone who has visited Thwaites and is responsible for dubbing it the Doomsday Glacier, explained, quote, predicting the breakup of ice sheets and the implications for future sea level rise is fraught with uncertainty. Depending on various emissions scenarios in the latest intergovernmental panel on climate change report, we could have as little as one foot of sea level rise by the end of the century, or nearly six feet of sea level rise. Of course, rising seas won't stop in 2100, but that date has become a common benchmark. The difference between those models is a lot of lives and money, says Richard Alley, a glaciologist at Penn State University and one of the great ice scientists of our time. Alley adds, the most likely place to generate the worst scenario is Thwaites. Or, to put it more urgently, if there is going to be a climate catastrophe, Ohio state glaciologist Ian Howitt once told me, it's probably going to start at Thwaites. End quote. The dire situation has led the US and UK to form a five-year research project called the International Thwaites Glacier Collaboration, or ITGC, which has already produced a number of findings which were presented at a meeting of the American Geophysical Union last month. While satellite imagery has shown fractures on the surface that are growing as much as six miles a year, the ITGC missions have predominantly focused on what's beneath the surface. Radar measurements, taken by Oregon State University glaciologist Aaron Pettit, literally hiking 12 miles a day for over two weeks because any other mode of transportation would have produced vibrations that distorted the data, indicate that fractions on the underside of the glacier are not growing quite as quickly. However, a triggering event could could make them spread much faster. Quoting again from Wired, that's because the ice shelf is losing its grip on an underwater mountain about 30 miles offshore, which acts like a dam or pinning point, holding back the rest of the glacier. But soon that dam will break and the ice shelf will shatter into icebergs. It'll be like a car hitting a pothole, allowing a nick in the windshield to propagate into a web of cracks. Without a cohesive ice shelf holding it back, the ice sheet on land will accelerate its own seaward march as well as that of of its neighbors. As Thwaites' glacier loses mass and it flows out more quickly into the ocean, it'll be pulling on the nearby glaciers, says Pettit. Thus, the name Doomsday Glacier. End quote. Recent findings from a torpedo-like robot called Icefin that uses sonar, lasers, and sensors to provide a whole bunch of data about Thwaites' grounding zone, where the glacier moves from land to water, have additionally shown a unique corrugated kind of underside that prevents the ice from insulating itself against warm seawater. The melting is further exacerbated by tilting that happens on the ice shelf when the tide goes in and out. Now, an international team of 32 scientists are setting off on a two-month mission to learn even more about the unique underbelly of the glacier. AP notes that the team will be measuring water temperature, the seafloor and ice thickness, cracks in the ice, how the ice is structured, and will be tagging seals on the islands off the glacier. In addition to Bodie McBoatface, the team will have a number of gliders as well as another autonomous submersible called RAN from the University of Gothenburg in Sweden. Three of the scientists wrote in an email to Gizmodo while they were en route to Thwaites quote, we're expecting to find signals of meltwater discharge from the base of the ice shelves, but how much and how fast the ice shelves are melting is still uncertain. We want to get more data showing how much heat is transported toward the glaciers, and at the same time to get data showing how the ocean conditions are changing due to the melting glaciers, end quote. Because remember, the ice shelves melting and breaking up means sea levels rising from the glacier itself, but also trigger a domino effect with other nearby glaciers significantly increasing sea level rise overall. But there remain a ton of questions about what exactly is going on and what might happen. Quoting again from Rolling Stone, Even predicting how the crack up of the ice shelf will impact the flow of the glacier is difficult to estimate, and this is only one of the uncertainties that scientists will face when trying to predict whether or not Miami will be underwater by 2100. There is further uncertainty in exactly where and when the ice will fracture, how much warm water will be pushed up beneath the glacier by changing winds and ocean currents, how the character of the bed the glacier rests on will speed up or slow down the glaciers slide into the sea... Whether the bed is hard rock or muddy still can have a big impact on the velocity of the glacier, just as the texture of snow affects how fast you ski down a mountain. Ice is alive, says Pettit. It moves and flows and breaks in ways that are difficult to anticipate. End quote. Hopefully, with this new mission and increased research on Thwaites, we'll be able to mitigate the situation as much as possible. And by the way, the Thwaites Glacier is located in western Antarctica on the Walgreen Coast of Marie Byrd Land, named for the wife of explorer Admiral Richard Byrd, no relation to me or my grandfather the other Admiral Byrd. Anyways, Marie Byrd Land is technically an unclaimed region and in fact the largest unclaimed territory on Earth. Which is why, 20 years ago, American Travis McHenry declared the territory to be the micronation of West Arctica and installed himself as Grand Duke Travis. If you want to hear more about West Arctica and other micronations, you can go back and listen to the October 19th episode of this show. Link in the show notes. But bottom line, yes, this very serious glacier that could determine the fate of humanity is located on the land of a fake micronation and is about to be probed by Bodie McBoatface. A number of companies over the years have tried to or claimed to have produced solar shingles, but they've typically just been smaller-sized solar panels that still require platforms and rails to be installed on top of your existing roof. But now GAF Energy, the sister company of GAF, which is the largest roofing company in North America, says they've done it for real. They've created timberline solar shingles, actually the size of typical shingles and capable of being nailed down. When put together, they look and function just like ordinary shingles, and since they can be installed in basically the same way, homeowners won't need to hire out a special team that works for weeks because any local roofers could do the job in a day or two quoting The Verge. GAF Energy President Martin De Bono says the Timberline Solar are the first products to ever receive UL's 7103 certification to serve as both solar panels and construction materials, thanks to a special sandwich of glass, polysilicon solar cells, and the top layer of a proprietary fluorinated alkyne ethylene polymer that's fire-resistant, impact-resistant, textured to be walkable, and still transparent enough to let the light through. He says they give the panels a class A fire rating stand up to hail, and yet the shingles are actually less dense at the same thickness as a normal shingle, meaning they weigh slightly less and should be just as easy for roofers to sling around. The one potential downside is that it does take way more shingles to create a whole roof compared to a handful of panels installed on top of one. But DeBona says the cost would be about equivalent to a new normal roof with solar added to it. And considering GAF produces about a quarter of the 5 million new roofs installed in U.S. homes every year, the company's got a huge opportunity to try to upsell people on the solar shingles. Plus, DeBona says the solar shingles will end up being more efficient both due to the material sourcing they use and the fact that if you've got a whole roof of solar shingles, then you can still get power even when part of the roof is shaded. The Timberline solar shingles are already available in Texas and along the US East Coast, but are awaiting formal approval in Florida and California where several proposals currently threaten existing incentives for installing solar at all, possibly a sign of things to come as some locations like California hit certain sustainability targets and begin to de-incentivize them. Even more reason, though, for companies like GAF to make sustainable solutions as easy and convenient as possible for consumers. On this show, I've covered things like fika, the Swedish word for a genuinely restful coffee break, and also friluftsliv, the Norwegian term for open-air living or enjoying nature no matter what the weather may be. And of course, every Instagram influencer has talked about hygge, a Danish word for coziness in its simplest translation. But now we've got another one, autvajen. This one comes from the Dutch, and its literal translation means out-blowing, but the Washington Post says the better way to think of it is to walk in the wind. Quote, typically used as a noun, it describes the act of undertaking some sort of outdoor physical activity in windy conditions. Wind, as local wisdom goes, refreshes and recalibrates you. End quote. If you would like to partake in outweien, here is what you do, according to the Dutch Review, quote, one, walk outside, two, feel the wind blowing against your hair, clothes, and body, three, there is no step three, that's it, feel the stress melt away off your body, the wind whisk away any troublesome thoughts, and be the best Dutch version of yourself you can be, end quote. The best locations for Altweyen are reliably windy places like beaches or maybe the notorious wind tunnels between skyscrapers and Manhattan, although that doesn't sound quite as relaxing to me. It also might not give you all the same benefits as a bit of Altweyen in the woods or a park. You know, part of the health benefits come from being in nature, which many studies have shown can lower blood pressure and heart rates. And, quoting from the Washington Post, according to David Strayer, a professor of cognition and neuroscience at the University of Utah, who specializes in attention and studies nature's effects on focus, Outvian's therapeutic effects align with attention restoration theory. The theory, which explains how nature resets cognition, relies in part on the concept of surrounding activity that occupies your attention but doesn't monopolize it, activity such as a gentle wind. It's something you don't get if you look at a static photograph, but if leaves are blown by the wind, or there's water flowing by, or fire, or waves on the beach, it gently captures attention. It's enough to keep you engaged and looking at it, but not enough that you have to concentrate or multitask, Strayer said. The wind is one of the essential elements, earth, wind, and fire, and part of the natural environment. As part of the wild, it helps ground us in the environment in which humans evolved." End quote. And even Wim Hof is a fan of outweying. Hof is the extreme athlete behind the Wim Hof method, breathing and meditation techniques that enable people to endure exceptionally cold temperatures and water. He said, quote, "'We have a physical body, but it's like a radio. "'It receives and sends signals, "'and the carrier is the wind.'" The wind is able to change our biochemistry and the depth of our bodies for the better. The wind offers the gas exchange between the outside and the inside of ourselves. How do we regulate that? By doing the breathing, by letting the wind come into our bodies. That is a foundation of health, end quote. Of course, you don't have to buy into all of that, necessarily. Maybe Outvian will just be a way for you to feel like you're participating in a long-standing cultural practice instead of being annoyed at how windy it is when you're out for your pandemic-prescribed daily walk. Well, Dom Toretto's Drink of Choice is trying to capture the Sunny D generation with a new non-alcoholic version infused with 30% of the daily recommended value of vitamin D. Corona Sunbrew is being called the first ever vitamin D non-alcoholic beer, which sure might be a reason why it's the first. Odd as it sounds on its surface, though, there is a good chance it'll take off as consumers in general are currently trending strongly towards food and beverage products that they think will give them some kind of an immune boost and trending away from alcohol. According to alcohol beverage analysts, the IWSR, low and no alcohol beverage consumption is expected to rise 31% globally by 2024. And this new drink, Corona Sunbrew, launched in Canada as a sort of taste of summer in the harsh winter kind of campaign, and will soon expand to markets in Europe, South America, and Asia. No word just yet on rollout in the US, where Corona is distributed not by Anheuser-Busch like the rest of the world, but rather by Constellation, and the two have historically gotten into disputes when it comes to Corona varieties, like their hard seltzer line. So, sorry fellow Americans, if you want a taste of this zero-proof orange juice reduction. Production, you'll have to follow in your Prohibition era ancestors' footsteps across the northern border. In other news, Netflix has made their latest production announcement following their September acquisition of the Raw Doll Story Company, or as Jason Kotke called it then, the Raw Doll Cinematic Universe. Wes Anderson will be directing an adaptation of the short story collection The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the eponymous Henry Sugar. No word yet on if it will be live-action or animated, like Anderson's previous doll adaptation The Fantastic Mr. Fox, or if it will concentrate on just the one titular story from the collection or thread together multiple stories, the collection is notably one of Dahl's works aimed at older readers and features two semi-autobiographical stories. The wonderful story of Henry Sugar will join other Raw Dahl adaptations in production at Netflix, including Matilda the Musical, based on the stage production and starring Emma Thompson, an animated series based on the Twits, and three Charlie and the Chocolate Factory adaptations, including the feature-length Willy Wonka origin story starring Timothy Chalamet, directed by Paul King, a Taika Waititi-helmed animated series based on the original book, and another Taika Waititi animated series focusing on the Oompa Loompas backstory. So a ton of doll content coming down the pipeline, so long as it doesn't get stuck on a greedy kid on the way down. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and cocky.org I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday.